Welcome to Here's Teresa on Talk Zone with your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Teresa is here to inspire and educate you with heartwarming stories and informative conversations from a national and global perspective. Now, here's Teresa. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to all of my listeners out there. This is Teresa E. Keeves, your host for Here's Teresa, broadcasting on the GreatTalkZone.com Internet Radio. And um, so just how in the blue blazes are you all out there? Let's get that. Let's get that done right away. Okay, wow, I hear you are up on your game this morning. I can hear you loud and clear. You all sound great out there, and I know you're doing just great, and you're eager to get your day started, as there are so many complimentary and important tasks that you will be accomplishing today. Okay, now it's my turn. How are you, Teresa? Well, like Tony the Tiger used to roar, I am great. Of course, he was talking about Frosted Flakes, but, you know, the roar of greatness, um, Relates to how I feel. So, you know, I, too, am looking forward to accomplishing so many fabulous things in my life. And it starts by doing them day by day by day. So once again, I want to thank you so much to tuning into my show, as I do know that you have choices out there. And um, just by you listening to me warms my heart with so much appreciation. OK, let's get the weather report out the way. Well, it's supposed to be cloudy all day, but you never know what you're going to get. It's kind of like Forrest Gump seeing a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. The high is like 63 today. Not bad considering the other parts of the country. As my um engineer Dave, shout out to Dave, said that they're having an ice storm there in the parts of Illinois that he uh, was traveling about in. So I, I wish everybody out there, you know, the best for driving in those conditions. Um as I as I do remember um you know the the conditions of you know having lived in the Midwest before that that's not a you know a fun thing. Okay. Um but today my guest is Rachel C. Campbell. He is the world's best mental health therapist. And our title of our show today is the that wonderful thing called hope. I have talked about um, the importance of hope many times on my show, you guys. And I feel that it is an important topic as hope was President Barack Obama's mantra as he was campaigning initially as our commander in chief for this great nation. And he talked about it, hope throughout his tenure as he gave so many great speeches as he addressed this nation's populace on varying important subjects. Now, the very essence of hope, uh, listeners, is so powerful, and it contains so many great characteristics within it, and I know the greatness of having and maintaining hope within my life, and I want to share with you, my listening audience, the experience that I had and have with you, and Reginald is going to share that as well. So stay tuned. This is going to be a great talk, as you will always find on Here's Teresa. Okay, now it's shout-out time. Now, my first shout-out, um, wow, did you all hear the exit speech the president uh, that President Barack Obama gave on Tuesday evening in Chicago? OMG, what a well-written speech to the, to the point, no hidden messages, um, just an eloquent and poignant and meaningful speech 
to the public. He certainly is what I call an elegant man. You can see it in his whole embodiment, you guys. You know, you can see that he loves his wife, First Lady Michelle Obama, and his children, Sasha and Malia. He is an appreciative man with the relationship um, that he found over the years with Vice President Joe Biden and Dr. Jill Biden. He considers them family. How sweet is that? Speaking of hope, as he is preparing to exit out of the most powerful office in this nation, I myself am truly going to miss this man. And I bet many of you out there listening to me feel the same way. Speaking of hope, you're going to be feeling what it feels like not to have the umbrella of hope over us in this nation on a daily basis. I am savoring every day that we have left for President Obama to sit in the Oval Office. Although I will miss him, I just know that he will be around, still assisting the American people in some kind of manner, along with his beautiful wife, Michelle. Job well done, Mr. President. All right. The next shout out goes out to my granddaughter, Tierra. She turned 17 this month. And you all um, know that she had a few attempts at getting her driver's permit. Well, she got her driver's permit yesterday, and I'm so happy about that. And uh, her baby brother, Marty, he continues to train for his big upcoming accomplishment, which is his first Dan Black Belt in Taekwondo. That's very impressive. He's 10 years of age, and he says that once he gets that, he is done and on to accomplishing something else. What? We are not sure, but we will be there to support him, and I know that it will be something great. My next shout-out, you listeners out there, is to Meryl Streep. Now, I know that the Golden Globe Award show was a few days ago. Nevertheless, I want to comment on it. I wasn't broadcasting at that time. I want to start out by saying that it was well scripted. It was her choice to say what she said. She spoke from her heart in lieu of thanking the Hollywood Foreign Press, her husband, and et cetera, for this award. Um, she instead uh, chose to take this moment and speak on a topic that she felt was important to her. She said nothing ugly or hurtful to her listening audience. Nothing was said that would shame her or her fellow actors, her family, or defame her own character. For all of you who saw this moment, remember, you could hear a pin drop in the room that is normally noisy, even as it is being broadcasted live. Some people, including Trump, out, out, um, you know, uh, 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 you know, tweeted, tweeted, uh, you know, on what it was that she said. And um, the comments I felt were unsavory about Meryl Streep, who is without any doubt a highly acclaimed actress. She is respected by her peers as her person was attacked as she was referencing a person who attacked a handicapped person who was defenseless and who was merely asking him a question. Let me remind you, there was no big outcry about how nasty and shameful the defenseless reporter was probably feeling as he was ridiculed from a person who will soon be taking the seat in the Oval Office in the White House. Now, as a child growing up, you all, I was told by my um, elders, 
Okay. Now, when a person makes fun of someone in such a distasteful manner, not only are they being a bully, but they are also feeling and seeing a resemblance of themselves in that person that they are attacking. All right. Now, chomp on that. Remembering that we are mirrors of one another and that it is all I'm going to say about that. Now, I just want to make a comment about something, listeners. Are you all paying attention about how consistently bad the drivers on the road are becoming? I mean, you know, I I know people out there are, you know, shooting and things like that. Like it was reported um, here in in Arizona this morning that Mile Post 89, which is Tonopah for all of you who are familiar with with um, uh, where Tonopah is on I-10 going to L.A., West, and um, it was reported that a uh, DPS uh, officer was shot. Um, it's, it's kind of, um, I don't know, conflicting stories saying that um, one of the um, uh, drivers shot the person who shot the, the DPS driver, and he was being uh, airlifted to um, a hospital um, in, in the West Valley. And, you know, it's just it's just crazy, and it's like, you know, what I what I wanted to also say is like when you're driving and you're parking in a parking lot, you know, which is, you know, not not my place, favorite place to park. But when you're parking in a parking lot, whether you're entering or exiting, people just have no um, no uh, respect for the other person. Everybody seems to be in a hurry. Everybody uh, not everybody. Let me take that back. That's a global statement. A lot of people seem to be in a hurry. A lot of people seem to have um, some type of negative agenda and they're not being very um, nice to to one another because they're not being nice to themselves. So whatever you're not being, you're going to you're going to throw that out on someone else. And I know that you all are saying, you know, well, you know, Teresa, you know, it's bad driving, you know, wherever we are, you know, blah, blah, blah. I understand that. But all I'm saying is I have a question for you all out there. I want you to, you know, think about this along with what we're going to be talking about today. And my question is, are human beings becoming that mean spirited and hateful? And I want to throw in the pedestrians. They will just walk in front of a car weighing thousands of pounds with the seemingly attitude of, so what hit me? I don't care. Or see what happens, you know? And it's like, you know, wow, is the lackluster of life becoming that prevalent? I mean, life is beautiful. You know, why would you want to, you know, do something that could possibly end your life? It's such a beautiful thing. Or maybe you know, harm your body in some kind of way. Now, some of, you know, as I say, some of you might say, well, you know, they've been driving crazy in my town for ages. I get that. I see that in my state and other places that I live. I understand that. That is not what I'm talking about, listeners. What I'm saying is that a lot of human beings, and this is, once again, not a generalized statement, you all, but there are still plenty of sensible people out there. Thank you, Jesus. There will always be that. All I am saying is that for me, it is a noticeable increase in this affirmation of bad behavior. That's all I'm saying, you know, and it's across the board. But right now I'm just talking about, you know, how people drive. No one wants to be, you know, accommodating to other. It's so, you know, you got a big parking lot and like there's not another parking space in the whole 
parking lot that you just got to have that one. I mean, this is it's just ridiculous. It's like take the high road. Let them have that parking space. You all out there don't get into any arguments, any, you know, altercations, you know, with with other people because you don't know what kind of day they're having. You don't know if they have a gun or some other type of uh, weapon or whatever. And why get yourself hurt? You know, that that could maybe scar your life or end your life because of a parking spot. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Something as simple as a parking spot. And besides that, you know, if you park further away, guess what? That's extra steps you're doing. And that's extra and that's more exercise that that you will be doing as well. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. My fabulous listeners, I'm going to take a break right now. Then I'm going to bring my guest on early because I have a couple of things that I want to talk about. So get up and stretch and get your coffee and tea and come back with me. Hi, listeners. This is Teresa E. Keeves, and I want to talk to you about bullying. Do you know that bullying is still a constant negative in our society, not only for children in grammar schools and high schools, but also in our colleges, university, and workplaces? I want you to know that professional mediation is a great method for resolving issues regarding bullying. It also allows party members to engage in a much-needed conversation to clarify what the issues are and to resolve them without the involvement of law enforcement and the relation to our children, the possibility of school suspension. Need more information? Please give me a call at 623-594-5657 or visit my website at www.tekmediations.com. Back to Here's Teresa on TalkZone.com with Teresa E. Keeves. Thank you for returning with me. This is Teresa E. Keys, your host for Here is Teresa. And um, the topic of our show today is that wonderful thing called hope. But however, I'm going to veer off from the topic for a moment. And I want to um, talk about something else. And I'm going to bring my guest um, on uh, Rachel C. Campbell, the world's best mental health therapist. He is my wonderful brother from the same mom and dad. And um, I want to welcome Reginald on my show. Good morning, Reginald. Ooh, good morning. <laughs> I put the phone down. Just walking around. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You you never know. So how are you this morning, brother? I'm I'm doing good. Multitasking. Uh, I put the phone down and put some laundry in, so that could be done while I'm at work. And stuff. So I'm I'm good. Good morning, good morning, listeners. Fantastic. They're all saying, good morning, Reginald. Okay, you know, as as I said that we are going to be talking about that wonderful thing called hope, but I wanted to discuss um, with the listeners, um, you know, uh, my love, and this is, um, I have a lot of loves, but uh, I want to discuss one of my loves, which is mediation. I came across this article, uh, Reginald, about um, uh, in Mediate.com, and the title of this article is When Conflict in the Workplace Escalates to Emotional Abuse. Okay? Now, I just want to read uh, in some parts of it, and then I want us to get into a discussion with it for um, our listeners. Now, what um, um, is written by Noah Zanoli, Z is a zebra, A-N-O-L-L-I, 
Now, she states that millions of men and women of all ages, ethnic and racial backgrounds all across the U.S. hate going to work, gradually fall into despair and often become gravely ill. Some flee from jobs they used to love. Others endure the situation unable to figure a way out. What are we describing here, listeners? Has been identified as mobbing and bullying at the workplace. Co-workers, superiors, or subordinates attack a person's dignity, integrity, and competence repeatedly over a number of weeks, months, or years. A person is being subjected to emotional abuse subtly or bluntly, often falsely accused of wrongdoing, and is persistently, persistently humiliated. Now, Dr. Heinz Lehman Reginald, he's a psychologist and medical scientist, and he's, he identified the behavior as mobbing and described it as psychological terror involving hostile and unethical communications directed in a systematic way by one or a few individuals, mainly toward one individual. Now, because the organization ignores, condones, or even instigates the behavior original, it can be said that the victim seemingly helpless against the powerful and many is indeed mobbed. Now, the result always, you know, ends up in physical or mental distress or illness, social misery, and often, but not always, expulsion from the work original. And sadly, the victims did not have a reputation of not performing well, not meeting organization standards or who could not get along with others. Now we, we've heard that before who could not get along with others. I'm repeating that with quite the contrary, more often than not, the targets have been esteemed members of the organization. Now what I'm saying here, Reginald is that bullying is, as I have said before, on my program when I spoke just only about bullying, that it has not gone anywhere as we see bullying a whole lot in the presidential campaign. Okay. We see bullying a whole lot in the workplace and schools and things. It just isn't talked about. It's kind of, you know, like, I'll let me kind of sweep this up under the rug, you know, with maybe a pinky finger coming out, let you know that I'm still up and alive and doing dangerous things to people. That is bullying. My thing is, is that about the mobbing effect. Now, Reginald, do, do you understand what I'm saying? That, And I have witnessed this, you know, when I worked in uh, organizations and or in, you know, in, you know, in school, just attending school about the mobbing effect against one person. You know what I'm saying, Reginald? Yeah, I've, I've seen that before, witnessed that before as, as, as well um, at, in, in the workplace, you know, should I say. And, uh, you know, and <clears throat> actually I've had a couple situations where a person who was doing that to others um, had the idea that they wanted to do that to me. Um mm-hmm. It didn't work out in their favor because I don't, I don't, uh, I don't play that. Um, mm-hmm. So, but you know, that's when a lot of people uh, don't feel that they have an outlet, um, and that's where unions would come in. Where if, if something was happening uh, like that, that the union representatives can come in to be a spokesman for that worker, 
Uh, that, that's one reason why I'm so pro-union. Not only have unions been at the backbone of, of getting better working conditions, uh, 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 raises and, and salaries, things like that for, for uh, people, uh, but they uh, people had an outlet when something like this would occur. Mm-hmm. So your um, your union representative would come in, represent you, you know, so you had a spokesperson. Um, mm-hmm. On the fact for people who are experiencing this, you know, they have bills to pay, they have rent to pay, mortgage, uh, kids to raise, kids to, to feed, you know, all, all of the cardinals to pay and all of that. And when a person is experiencing um, these kind of negative behaviors at work, um, they can become physically ill because it's, it's, it's psychological pain, it's cognitive pain, and it transitions to physical pain. And mm-hmm. all of those who don't have an outlet, unfortunately, uh, can take uh, you know matters in their own hands, and sometimes it isn't a really nice outcome when that person has that. Um, mm-hmm. So we <coughs> excuse me that um, you know just with the the saying of, of going postal, you know, that's how that came about. Yeah, where, exactly. Uh, being bullied at the workplace and they didn't have an outlet, didn't have someone to represent them or just took as much as they could. And mm-hmm. that day they just woke up and said, I'm not taking this from this person, you know. Mm-hmm. You know and, 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 Mm-hmm. And having and having been, you know, in management positions in large organizations, uh, uh, overseeing in, you know, employees, um, I I always got wind of the, you know, when these these things, when the when the sediment of um mobbing was was starting to rise, and I would call them in on the carpet one by one, maybe sometimes two by two. And um and and let them know the what the consequences were going to be if this did not subside immediately. So um I too um have been involved with um it wasn't called mobbing at that point um on my job, but I too don't play that. I don't play mobbing then, and I certainly don't play it now at this point in juncture in my life. Now I want to just for um edifice for my. Uh, edification for my um, audience, uh, my listening audience. Um, I want to know that want you to know that there is a distinction between, you know, mobbing is clearly a group behavior, says this author. Bullying, on on the other hand, denotes a one-on-one harassment. In a mobbing, in a mobbing, management often tact tactically. Is involved. That is why in such a case, a victim rarely can find recourse, which is what Reginald was saying a few moments ago. And I have seen this, and I also feel that I'm backing you up on this too, Reginald. I also feel that unions played a very good part. This is why I don't believe in busting unions because it does it do give individuals a recourse, somewhat of a safe haven. Okay, I tried my best. I did my best. To try mm-hmm. to circumvent this situation, um, you know, my my supervisor, my boss, manager, whoever was not listening mm-hmm. to me, and um, you know, I really don't think they like me, and they're not helping me, you know, whatever the situation is, they should have on the on the uh, uh, uh you know, someone there on the facility or who they can call and come mm-hmm. to the facility and and um and get a hold of the situation 
you know, before, you know, there's other things that could start, such as Postal, which is the the um, the author of this um, article did mention, you know, going going postal, you know, and, you know, mobbing. There is no discrimination in mobbing. It can happen to anyone. You know, um, uh, it, she's saying that it is not aggression against someone who belongs to a protected class such as discrimination based on age, gender, race, creed, nationality, disability, or pregnancy. It is therefore that bullying, mobbing behavior have been termed general or status blind harassment by uh, this professor, David Yamada of the Suffolk University Law School. Now, um, she goes on to say about the impact of bullying, even though bullying and mobbing behaviors may seem harmless in contrast to rape or other manifestations of physical violence, the effects on the victim, especially if the mobbing is happening over an extended period of time, have been so devastating for individuals that some have contemplated suicide. And in, num- and in numerous instances, she says, the symptoms after the person has been, you know, terminated or resigned can continue and intensify and have led to the diagnoses of post-traumatic stress disorder. And what she is saying here, uh, Reginald and my listeners, is that, you know, you have a, here's a, an example. You have an employee. The employee is being uh, is being uh, mobbed, uh, you know, is having this mob. And by the way, when I hear the word mobbing, um, listeners and Reginald, you know, you think about you know, the, you know, uh, an actual mob, you know, like, um, uh, you know, like back in the day when, you know, you had mobs and they were going out doing bad things. It's, it's on the same vein. It's all in, on the same vein. So you got these people who um, she did talk about this, you know, in her article, Reginald, where, you know, jealousy sparks, you know, you have a person that comes there and uh, maybe they don't dress like you dress, talk like you talk. They're very efficient and effective in what their what their job is, and this can start mobbing. You know what I mean, Reginald? Mm-hmm. And and she's right. It's the same um, uh, uh, cognitive psychological effect. Um, you know that uh, you know with post traumatic stress that it can have with um, you know witnessing an accident, um, um, uh, the terror of war, uh, you know anything like that. So. So any post-traumatic stress is simply, you know, witnessing or being um, being the recipient of physical or psychological abuse. And um, uh, just, just as you were talking, I was thinking of the last position I had when I was uh, in Chicago prior to coming to Arizona. Um, I was uh, the supervisor of, of uh, about 15, 15 people. And um, uh, that position I had was that of the uh, as an assistant director, and the director herself, she had that type of attitude. She had that type of bullying attitude, and um, I would not allow that. Um, I, I saw that and witnessed that uh, when I came to the organization of how people were treated, and mm-hmm. um, I, I did represent and stand up for uh, for my my people, and they, you know stated that they really did appreciate that. Uh, you know, if someone comes to work, goes to school, it, it shouldn't be uh, that type of environment. They shouldn't be faced with that type of environment. So, uh, exactly. Yeah. I really agree yeah. with what Dr. was saying um, in, in her article. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but see, the thing is, is that, um, you know, even before we, uh, you and I, um, and others out there as well, uh, you know, got to the point of of being um, equipped with the tools to defer um, and or stop bullying or mobbing. There are a lot of people out there who do not have the tools and the and the um, uh, you know the the inside um, uh, characteristics that you know they that they can face this head on and deal with it and um so that they can so that they can come out having the the, the best you know outcome for themselves you know what i mean because this had to in order for us uh, i'm i'm sorry in order for us to get to this point we had to have dealt with it and then solidified a plan of attack let's say our own self of how we were not going to, you know, we cultivated this within ourselves of how we were not going to put up with this type of behavior from others, uh, be it supervisor, manager, president, whatever, we were not going to do that. And so then therefore, you know, we were very well grounded um, in that. But the, the sad thing is, as I'm sure, you know, um, you know, that a lot of people are, are just not, you know, equipped with, um, um, you know, in, in, in how to, you know, how to deal with this, you know, and as I spoke about bullying too, um, Reginald and my listeners is that, you know, bullying on the workplace, you know, it, 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 um, falters your productivity. And seeing a lot of this is set up, Reginald, as you and I know. Okay. Mm-hmm. A lot of this is set up. Okay. Well, then, you know, they want to get rid of you because they don't like you because they fear their own job. You know, let's say that you come in in a lower position, but they see that manager, that vice president see that you got a gift within you. And so then they're fear for their own job. So it's like, OK, then you then um, you get people, as this article is saying, to assist you in your dirty deed of getting rid of this person. And so therefore, you know, nine point nine percent of the thing is going to be when you are going through this. How is your productivity supposed to be the, in the manners that is supposed to be regional? You know, how is that supposed to be? If you're a person who, unlike you or me or some of the other listeners out there, can't deal with this and put a stop to it, um, you know, amicably, uh, that's the hope, um, you know, then, you know, it will affect your productivity. You're not going to want to come to work. You're going to start hating your job. You know, a job that you may very, very well love, then you start hating your job. And, and that's really bad, it, you know. Um, but, um, I, you know, I just I you know, I, I wanted to um, to talk about that, you know, that it you know, that workplace trauma, um, as psychologists refer to the conditions caused by employee abuse, they say that it is emerging. OK, now that's what I said before. Bullying has not gone anywhere. And with the way that um, Trump ran his campaign, he is he is giving the okay signal that that is the way for you to act. That it's it's okay for you to be a bully. It's okay for you to be mobbing, you know, other people, and and it's not. And um, it says that it is emerging as a more crippling and devastating problem for employees. And employers alike, Reginald, than all other work-related stresses put together. The actual cost and loss of loss per, terms of lost productivity, health care, and legal cost. Um, uh, this article says 
not to speak of psychological implications, they said that there has not been any, um, you know, exact uh, measurement on, you know, what the costs are and things like that. But um, Dr. Harvey Hornstein, he's a professor of social organization psychology at Columbia University Teachers College. He has a book out there, you guys, called Brutal Bosses and Their Prey. And it estimates that as many as 20 million, I'll say that again, 20 million Americans face workplace bullying and abuse on a daily basis. And it's nearing an epidemic. And this is what I've been saying on my program, basically from, you know, my inception, you know, um, going on three years. I talk about bullying a lot, a lot, a lot on my program. And the heartbreaking thing about it, um, Reginald and my listeners, is that when I talk to these, a lot of these school principals and things, they don't want to do anything about it. So what's up with that, Reginald? Mm-hmm. Well, it's just people being uh, not being equipped um, to do anything. Uh, it's people who are feeling threatened because someone else is coming into their school or their environment and saying, you know, this is this is what's happening. And and that's the unfortunate thing is because people get territorial and it's like, well, you can't come in here and tell us, you know, what the you know. And, and that mm-hmm. that attitude is, you know, that negative attitude is, is itself. You know, um, mm-hmm. if you are having a problem, uh, you know, if, if if your car is dirty, you take it to get washed. <laughs> you know, if you get a car uh-huh. tire, you take it. To, you know, so I mean, that doesn't uh-huh. mean that you're not a good person because you take your car to get it washed because it's dirty. Uh, you know, it's just something that needs to be done, and it, it that's how it needs to be done in organizations and and in schools. Um, you know, I, as, as I tell a lot of my clients, I, I like to just kind of simplify things, you know, as I speak with them and, and people in general, because people try to be so so high and tidy tie, you know. But when we get down and just break it down to simplicity, as uh, the example I use with, uh, with with the car wash, you know, people can un- people can understand that. And, mm-hmm. and you're right, it's okay. It's saying that it's okay with, with the attitude that's coming from the top, uh, being, being, uh, uh, Trump, um, with, with his behavior and, and his attitude. Um, mm-hmm. and bullying from the large scale to the small. If you stop at a stoplight and somebody is on your bumper and you move up and they move up and you move up and they move up again, that's a form of bullying. That's them like trying to bully you. Hey, I'm not going to get off your bumper, even though you want me to. You know, so mm-hmm. so it's that same attitude that bleeds down from the top. Just looking mm-hmm. at uh, watching Trump's uh, uh, first news conference yesterday. Oh God, his, his attitude was atrocious. Yes, and that's how you behave as the president elect. And and here and here's another thing, listeners. This is his first news conference since July, since June or July. Was were they not saying, and was the news media not saying and crying, crocodile tears, saying Hillary Clinton hasn't had a news conference in in sixty or, or, or ninety days? All the while, Donald Trump hadn't had one either. So exactly, his bullying to. For them to act, they're allowing his bullies to act the way that they're acting. That's why now the media is afraid to confront him 
about his taxes. They are yes. free to confront because other they, people who are uh, being, well, uh, you know, having hearings for nomination who haven't vetted and, and who haven't given all of the uh, appropriate paperwork that needs to be done. They haven't submitted that paperwork. And the media and these senators are allowing him to bully them. So, so this bullying comes from, I mean, it's just all around, as, as you were saying before, it's just all around, and it's coming yep. from the top on down. It's called the top down for all of you out there who study business. It's the top. That's what I'm calling the top down effect of organizations. Okay. And this is what he's doing. And, um, so, but there, there, the article does, does have light at the end of the tunnel by saying that bullying and mobbing at work is increasingly becoming discussed in the media and in professional organizations and that um, you know, she outlines uh, a, a, a great number of things that can be done to um, rectify the situation. And one thing she said by enforcing decency, civility and high ethical standards in the workplace and by creating a nourishing environment, bullying and mobbing will not surface because hate cannot surface in the same confines as love. All right. There are millions of enlightened managers and leaders and thousands of companies that do just that. They serve as good examples and places of refuge. And this is what we need to strive for more on a daily basis. And I'm going to be taking a break in a, a few minutes, but I just want to uh, comment on what you said about uh, uh, Trump's uh, first news media when they did one of the, uh, you know, later on in a, in a, Report uh, one of his, um, I don't know, cronies. Let's say uh, the, the 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 interviewer was asking him about that, and, he, and his response was, "Well, if you push him, he's going to push you back." I mean, you know, I really can't say over the over the airways what I res- responded to my husband. Uh, you know, it's my response to this, but I'm going to give you, you know, the softer side of Sears about it. Who does he think he is? I mean, you are supposed to be the president getting ready to sit in the Oval Office, and this is what you're saying. And yes, and I truly agree with you, Reginald, that the media is a huge blame for his actions because they allowed it and they used it as entertaining. So now with that, um, I'm going to take a break here. When I come back, we are going to start talking about that wonderful thing called hope. And I hope that um, you guys will get up and stretch and have some coffee and tea and come back with me. Hi, listeners. This is Teresa E. Keys, and I would like to know if you are having issues or disagreements with your neighbor and you have reported it to the HOA and the issue still has yet to be resolved, and now you're feeling as though your concerns have fallen on deaf ears, and you are not sure what to do. Don't think of litigation. How about professional mediation? Mediation is becoming very popular for resolving issues in a timely and cost-effective manner. You see, unlike the litigation process, the mediation process, parties are given a platform to be heard, and open communication between the parties is established. Professional mediation also combines neutral advocacy, implementing evaluative and facilitative techniques, 
empowerment is developed as the parties are very much involved in solidifying an agreement with the guidance of the professional mediator. Would you like to know more? Give me a call at 623-594-5657 or visit my website at www.tekmediations.com. Back to Here's Teresa on TalkZone.com with Teresa E. Keeves. Thank you so much for returning back with me. I am uh, Teresa E. Keeves, your host for Here, Teresa, with my wonderful um, co-host, Reginald C. Campbell. We are going to be discuss- discussing that wonderful thing called hope. Now, there are several reasons that I chose to talk about hope today um, because I feel that it is important that people understand the greatness that is contained in this thing called hope and that it is a myriad of characteristics contained within it that are so positive. And I would like for you and I, Rachel, to discuss some of them. And I know that we will not be able to get through all of it because I only have a one hour show but enough to give them, my listening audience, a good dose of our subject. Now, okay, in your in your words, can you briefly describe to my listeners what is hope? The desire for things to come. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's, that's very, that's very well said, you know, short and brief. It doesn't need to be, you know, a long, a long dissertation about it. And I, and I think that's great. And it's, it is a desire of things, uh, to come, of things that you are wanting, um, in your life that are of positiveness. We're not talking about any negative, uh, things here, um, uh, uh, our listeners, because I'm sure that you guys know that if, you know, it depends on what it is you're hoping for. If you're hoping for something negative, then you're going to get something uh, negative. If you're hoping for something positive, it, you know, you're going to get something positive. Um, you know, with, you know, well, you know, with me for hope, um, I, you know, I just loved it when, um, our president, Barack Obama, Reginald, um, he started, mm-hmm. Um, out his campaign talking about hope, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and I know that after he leaves the White House, he's still going to talk about a lot of great things, uh, that he did in his tenure. Now, however, we are, uh, you know, talking about hope this morning and I can recall as he was, you know, his campaign and he spoke about having hope in his speeches. For example, I could see enlightenment in the eyes of listeners through the television screen. Okay. And so he was speaking of something magical. I took note of this during his initial campaign. And, um, and, and, um, you know, so why do you think the message of hope, Reginald, at, at this time during his initial campaign gave so many people a aha moment, as Oprah Winfrey, you know, said, you know, it is because, is it because people were feeling despair during the Bush administration with 9-11, the Iraq and Afghanistan wars going on. You know, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, when in a time of trauma, <clears throat> excuse me, people need something to hold on to uh, after um, the attack at Pearl Harbor, 
President Roosevelt said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1960, um, President and President Eisenhower, he made his speech talking about the military-industrial complex, where he talked mm-hmm. about how things will change nuclear-wise in the upcoming year. Um, mm-hmm. And President Obama's speech, uh, President Kennedy's uh, inauguration speech, when he said, um, that's not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Uh, mm-hmm. So all of these were were things of hope. All of these mm-hmm. were things of you know for people to hold their to hold their hand to for something for people to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know I you know I I totally agree with what you you're saying, and you know that I'm a huge fan of um. Um, uh, President Kennedy, and I just love uh, his his speech, and particularly that that one, you know, segment that you mentioned, um, you know, about ask not what your country could do for you, but what you could do for your country. That still resonates today, and that's been, you know, fifty plus years ago that that mm-hmm. when he made that speech, and um, you know, the thing about it is, is that um, people. Um, more likely than not, uh, you know, a lot of people more likely than not, um, you know, will feel a lackluster, you know, as they're going through things. Uh, it could be a, a sickness that they're going through themselves, a sickness that they're going through of one of their loved ones, um, you know, their husband, their, their children or something, maybe facing some medical, um, some medical, uh, you know, issues there. And so what a lot of people do is that they, um, confer to, to prayer, you know, they, they, they start generating hopeful things in their minds if they never generated it before. Okay. Because hope is a very powerful tool. Okay. In my description of hope, it is a very powerful tool that can be used to cultivate our minds to thinking in the manners in what it is that we want to have as our outcome okay uh there is a saying that i've said it so many times and i'm going to say it so many times again so as you think it so is it will be you understand what i'm saying reginald mm-hmm. exactly and and you know the clients and people that i that i work with who are uh uh you know dealing with uh be it substance abuse or or or, or family issues you know they have hope the desire for things to change. They have the desire that uh, they can eventually uh, overcome this substance abuse. They have the desire that their family will be back on track. They have the desire that they can get a job. You know, so so without hope, there there is nothing. And and I was thinking about um, uh, then Senator Barack Obama's book that I read in, in the late '90s, The Audacity of Hope. Um, mm-hmm. That book had a, a just a really astounding uh, effect on me. Uh, that book and President Kennedy's book um, uh, profiles of courage uh, because mm-hmm. hope gives you courage. Courage mm-hmm. gives you hope. Mm-hmm. So they're 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 intertwined. They're 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 one and the same. They work together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the thing is, is that, 
with hope, um, you know, with hope, Reginald, you know, I talked earlier about the, you know, the great characteristics that that are in hope. And mm-hmm. I just want to name some of them, some of them for my listeners. Hope equals trust. Hope, you know, equals spirit. So it gives you the, the trust, you know, so that because you're going to have to trust someone as you're going through things and you want to evolve um, and you want to evolve in, into something bigger. You want something bigger and better in your life. So you're going to have to trust, you know, there's mm-hmm. a there's a big rock that I have in my in my um, office and it says, take the leap. The net will follow. OK, and I've said this to many people and um, uh, I said it to a, a gentleman who uh, wants to open up his own barbershop. He wants to attend um, barber's college and things like that. He did that. He's doing well. And he says one of he says the biggest contribution was when you talked to me and within your talk, you said, take the leap and the net was follow. And that's what I did. And the net was there. And he says, I so thank you for that. You see, um, hope also gives you gump- gumption. It gives you the nerve, the positive nerve to, you know, to, to, you know, to strengthen your whole embodiment to go out there and do what it is that you are wanting to do. Um, it is extraordinary. You know, uh, it is very advantageous. All right. It is very advantageous. It starts formulating your mind because within a lot of us, we have that sunk in groove, you know, um, of, um, maybe despair or I'm not sure if I, if I do this, what if I fail? And, you know, and on that, just, you know, I just want to say something to my listeners out there. Just because you fail at something does not mean you are a failure. I'm going to repeat that. Just because you fail at something does not mean you are a failure. All right. It just means that for several things, that maybe you need to get off this horse and let me look at this again. Maybe you need to uh, do some some different things of how you're going about to accomplish to accomplish your goal. And or here's a big one. Maybe the goal that you are wanting to accomplish is not for you. Perhaps you need to be going in a different direction. So, you know, when you when you get involved, you know, with hope and these, you know, these kinds of things, you're going to run into some negative oppositions. And what I'm saying to you, our listeners out there, you know, pay attention to the negative oppositions, but don't soak it in. All right. All right. Don't, 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 don't soak it in. Don't let that become a part of you. You know, that is there, you know, and if it's, if it's not anything that's going to heighten and lift in your spirits, then you, then you need to move on. You know, it gives us faith. Reginald and our listeners in ourselves and others. Okay. Faith is another powerful thing that is contained within hope. All right. Um, it gives you fortifying task to go forward with your, uh, your ideas, your dreams and your goals in life. You understand what I'm saying, Reginald? Mm-hmm. Um, when Thomas Edison, when asked by a reporter that, well, you tried a certain thing a thousand ways, and it didn't work. And Edison responded, "Well, I know a thousand ways that don't work." <laughs> so, so he had faith that the next time around, it, it will it will work. And and I I agree that um, that faith 
worked with Hope as well. Uh, there, there mm-hmm. was a group back in the day. Uh, they were named Faith, Hope, and Charity. I still love their music, and I and I love just the name of the group because of of that. Uh, but yes, faith um, equals hope. Hope equals faith. Faith and hope, in my opinion, equals courage. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, there was, you know, faith, hope, and charity. I think. Um, um, you know, that those, those are three powerful combinations there, but it's faith, hope, and charity. It's, it's, it's great, you know. And, um, I also want to say that, you know, cause I, I have, you know, maybe about four minutes now. I also want to say that hope is also very liberating. You know, it, you know, when you have hope and you start engaging in, in these characteristics that, you know, we're talking about here, um, you know, it starts liberating you, meaning that, you know, it, 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 it relieves the heaviness that you've been feeling, you know, for wanting to accomplish something, uh, for wanting to get out of a bad situation to wanting to move on to, you know, higher heights. When you, when you start embodying yourself with hope, then it is, it is, uh, it is a, a very uplifting and liberating experience. You know what I'm saying, Reginald? Absolutely. Absolutely, and uh, and without uh, just in, in my closing statements, without hope, there's there's nothing. And that's uh, I, again, I love the title of uh, President Obama's book and Senator Obama of uh, the, the audacity of hope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a lot of times we have to have the audacity of hope. Exactly, as I'm saying, take that leap. And that net and that net will follow, you know, and I wanted to, you know, have this conversation, you know, with my with you and 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 uh, with my listening audience out there, because a lot of us, I feel are feeling are feeling just are feeling despair right now. We're feeling, um, you know, uncertainty uh, from varying things. It could be something personal in life all the way up to what in the heck is going to happen once Trump is sworn in into the office. Um you know, so the thing is, is that with all of this, with all of this, I'm asking my audience and uh, listeners and things to always put hope first and foremost in your life. Hope the best, regardless, hope the best, you know, and just be aware and cognizant as well of, you know, of what's happening. But, you know, always, always hope, always hope the best, you know, because, you know, at the end of the day, as people say, you know, what you do will come back to you. <laughs> you know, it, it has this way of catching up with you. There is no, there is no such thing as, you know, I got away with it. You haven't gotten away with anything. There's no such thing as, um, as they say, uh, a perfect crime. You know, you may not have gotten caught and caught right then and there, but trust me. Trust me, God in the universe will deal with you. You can believe that. Now, I want to, I want to, um, I got a few, few more minutes here. I want to, uh, thank, thank you, Reginald, for being, um, you know, online with me broadcasting. I know you have a very busy day, such as I. I want to thank my listening audience for tuning in to me, and I hope that you've gotten a lot out of what uh, my brother and I have talked about today with the um, uh, the bullying, the mo- the mobbing, and um, as well as 
you know, that wonderful thing called hope. I will be broadcasting again January 26th. In the meantime, please go to TalkZone.com website, pull up my show's archive for Here's Teresa, and you can still pull up my show's archive for Put It All on the Table Through Mediation, which was my start here on the great TalkZone.com. I'm wishing you the best, and I hope that your day is filled with wonder, surprise, and positivity. Thank you for listening. 